0: Rankings today on the BWI Daily Edition. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr. My top five most improved players from 2020 to 2021 and what changed about their situation or their game that will lead to that improvement. That's a different list, by the way, than the breakout players that we predicted a couple of weeks ago or yesterday, what we did with Dave Eckert with Blue White Illustrated. If you want to check out that episode. As always, subscribe to our podcast or to our YouTube page, and you'll find the BWI Daily Edition right there. So hit the subscribe button, and don't miss another Daily Edition. So we're talking about that in just a little bit, but the first ranking that I want to talk about today are the preseason rankings. So yesterday, the USA Today came out with their poll for the beginning of the season. Penn State ranked 20th in the nation. For Penn State, that is lower than previous years by a considerable margin, but it is pretty consistent where they have been in some of the bigger polls over the last couple of months. The AP had them in 19th. They've been uh, in the high teens to low 20s in most of the preseason polls. And while you may feel disrespected as a Penn State football fan, you may also think it's warranted given the way last season went. A couple outlying polls... Saw 2020 as anomaly. They have Penn State in the top ten. Here's my point about all of them. I don't know that they matter anymore, and I will give you I, I I I will give you the reason against my own argument. The reason they matter is that public perception sets the benchmark for your season. Now, ultimately, you're winning and you're losing, and how you perform will determine your success as you go forward throughout the college football season into the college football playoff rankings, which are ultimately the only thing that matters in this situation. But how do those people vote? How do they make up their decision? That's the biggest enigma in all of college football is what does the college play, playoff committee, what what do they even want to see in a team? Do they want to see... uh margin of victory do they want to see explosive play percentage do they want to see shutouts on defense what we don't know year to year what metrics they're looking at we don't even know if it's wins and losses they just say kind of the vague blanket term of we are going to pick the best four teams regardless and then kind of trail off and I imagine like when they talk that they kind of just go off camera a little bit more so they they don't really have to answer the question of What are you looking for? Because it changes every year, and this is something that Penn State head coach James Franklin has talked about when it comes to scheduling. Do you only want undefeated teams? Do you want teams that have signature wins? Is it better to have a stronger strength of schedule? All of that maybe matters, but the one thing that that I think still has a little bit of a sway, and this is my argument here, is that public perception, based on those polls puts everyone into their general starting places from which we decide for the rest of the season. If you lose a bunch of games, you're not going to ever get into the top five. You have to be a consistent winner. We all know that uh, I've said for years now, you can only lose once or be Alabama. Those are your two options. So when it comes to your starting position, the most latitude you get is if you start higher. So Penn State perception-wise, has less uh, room to wiggle this year than they would if they were starting in the top 10. That's really about it from a perception standpoint. But really, it matters what they do on the football field and how the college football playoff committee, when they make their first rankings just after or around uh, Halloween, that's that's what matters, what those people are looking for. You can be undefeated and not be one of the top four teams. So it's all, right now, it's only about perception. It's about marketing. It's all of those things that have nothing to do with football. So we'll see as the season goes on if Penn State is one of the 19th ranked teams in the nation or if they are above that based on their performance on the field. And here's the thing, and I, I know that we've talked about this already, we're going to find out early on with Wisconsin and Auburn in the first three weeks. And despite the fact that I don't think Auburn is a typically a, a particularly dangerous team, they are an SEC power. They are a power five school that would not normally be in that position on the schedule. So they are a tougher task than what you might have if you were looking for a schedule that you got four easy wins to start the season or four wins to start the season. Uh, so that's really the big difference and that that game, that big 10 game versus Wisconsin is early in the season. So from a perception standpoint, they can erase that 19 or that 20 and make it a 12 or a 13 pretty quickly to start the season. But really when it comes down to it, it's how competitive are you in the most important games and how well do you play over the span of the season? Because here's, here's my last thought on this. I The coaches' polls, the AP polls, they're all the perception stuff we just talked about. But when it comes to the College Football Playoff Committee, despite their vague, frustrating, uh, evasive approach to things, I typically think they get at least two to three of the four teams right every year. What we're really talking about is we we typically know who the best teams are. And if we want to be truly honest with ourselves... The ones that deserve to get there are the ones that have been getting there. Now, the competitiveness once you get into the playoffs is entirely different. But when it comes to getting at least the top three right, I think generally that's correct. It becomes that last spot of who's going to go and lose to Clemson and Ohio State and Alabama. This year, is it going to be Georgia? Is it going to be Oklahoma? How do you become that fourth team? Which is why we're having the conversation of opening up the college football playoff to eight because that will lead to more upsets. That will lead to more Clemson, Ohio State, and Alabama losing, surprisingly, in a random event and becoming a the non-power, having more opportunities for somebody else to win a national championship. But typically, if we're talking about the know-it-when-you-see-it thing, for the most part, I do think that the college football playoff committee has gotten it generally right. There haven't been any egregious misses when it comes to who they've included in the playoffs. And I know you're all screaming 2016 at your screen. I understand that. I still think that could go either way. And now that you've turned off the TV, now that we've lost half of the audience, Top five most improved players in 2021. We're going to start at number five with Jair Brown safety, who is coming into this camp with a camp battle for that starting safety spot opposite of Jaquan Brisker. Now last year he was seen as a key depth piece and a key add in 2020 as a more mature player coming into that position along with a lot of young depth and two starters. So Jair Brown, We can talk about it again if we need to, but we all know he didn't get to practice with a team because the team didn't practice together. And Jaquan Brisker talked about that this spring, of knowing the defense is going to be a huge thing for Jair Brown heading into 2020. Last year, when it came to plays on the field, he was a key reserve for the Nittany Lions early in the season, but made a lot of mistakes, some coverage busts, and as the season went on, his playing time went down dramatically. Now, that's not to say he's a bad football player. He just wasn't ready yet. He hadn't fully digested everything and wasn't comfortable in the system based on the number of mistakes he was making and then his playing time following that. He still played in nine games last year, but the number of reps and the situations those reps came in were entirely different as the season goes on. Fast forward to now, not only does he have last year under his belt, he has the entire offseason and this current camp. So his opportunity to make plays and to be a positive influence on on the team are much higher. And also, his likelihood of making those big mistakes going the wrong way in coverage going down the one-way street that you're not supposed to go down yeah he's not gonna be driving down college av the wrong way anymore because he knows town that's kind of the situation he'll be in in 2021 The reason he's number five on the list is he actually has to win the job. He is currently in that competition for snaps at safety, although I do believe that no matter whether he's the first guy or the second guy, he will see significant playing time this year, so his opportunity to play better is not only improved this year, but he'll have more of them in 2021, barring any unforeseen injuries or situations we're not aware of. Coming in at number four on our list of players that can take a step forward and improve in 2021, we have tight end Bretton Strange. As he said himself last year, Bretton Strange wasn't necessarily expecting to come into the season as the starter. He was primarily going to be uh, Pat Fryermuth's backup in 2021, and that situation changed after the first month of the season.
1: Uh, so last year, I, I really wasn't expecting to be uh, the guy to come in and uh, maybe get all the receiving, uh, the receiving stats, but like. This year, it's a lot different. Uh, I have the opportunity to be the receiving guy and the guy that blocks. So I'm very excited for that. Uh, Like uh, like I said, the opportunity is presenting itself, and I'm going to take advantage
0: of it. Now, the interesting thing is that he was still used as a pass-blocking or a run-blocking tight end in 2020 because he was the primary one of those, and then he had to be the guy that was relied on when it comes to the passing game. So his ability to do that and to really take on that role of the lead receiving tight end. He's more prepared for it in 2021. And one area that he can improve is his ability to make plays after the catch as a former receiver who sees himself as a receiver that can block really well. He has the potential to be an explosive playmaker with the ball in his hands. Something he's thought about.
1: I think about it a lot. Uh, Honestly, uh, that's a part of part of my game that I want to work on a lot. Uh, Last year, I felt like I caught a couple balls. I could have made some plays, uh, but I just I, I didn't at the time, and that's something that I'm going to work on. And uh, I expect my game to be better after the catch this year.
0: So when you really look at his ability to make plays after the catch, he only broke three tackles in 2021. Uh, back in 2019, Pat Frymuth led all tight ends with 9, which again, is not a high number. Strange has the ability, I believe, to eclipse that with the right opportunities and the right situations. Strange is also used as an underneath player and may be used in a similar way with a lower average depth of target in Mike Yuricic's offense, which is aggressive down the field, but the reality is all teams need to throw underneath because you can't just go bombs away on every play. So with selective shots down the field up the seam, with With a tight end with the athletic profile of Strange and the ability and the opportunity now to make plays after the catch with the ball in his hands, something that he's focused on in 2021, this offseason. Bretton Strange, again, if he's used as the primary lead receiving tight end, has the opportunity to make massive strides as a pass catcher in 2021. Coming in at number three, defensive tackle P.J. Mustafer. Now, Mustafer, we've gone over this a couple times this offseason, but he's quasi-changed his position, and we'll get into that in just a little bit. As we explain, he's now playing primarily a nose tackle type role. Here he is explaining what that means for him going forward by playing the two-eye role.
1: Two years ago, I played around 315, so, you know, I'm kind of, and, and last year we played left, right, and, uh, you know, I was at the 2 I bunch. It's not like I only played three. So, you know, it's, it's been a smooth transition because I've played it in the past. Um, you know, now I'm just playing it pretty much every down. Um, so, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm watching a lot of tape of, uh, you know, NFL guys who have played 2 um, you know, other college guys who, who've had a lot of success at the 2 I. So just studying that film and just learning uh, the position, you know, I want to be fundamentally sound. Uh, when I'm in there at the 2-I because I know it's an important role in the team, you know, being able to shut, the, uh, shut down the run every down and be able to push that pocket and, and, and create plays all over the field, you know, in pass rushing situations. So, uh, you know, I really want to be a dominant force inside, and I know it can help the defense, so I, I've loved the transition.
0: Now, are you ready for a lame joke? The 2-I role is not when you say something to a kid and they roll their eyes at you, like you just did there. Um, the 2-I position is essentially you're lining up on the inside shade of the guard as a defensive tackle. It means that you're primarily going to be uh, absorbing double teams and you're going to be playing the run responsibility in the A-gap or close to the center. Penn State does not run a nose tackle per se, where they have a guy lined up directly over the center, they do something in a kind of a hybrid role where it's a guy who is playing a little bit farther out, but has the primary run stopping responsibility. And as PJ Mustafer said, it's not like he hasn't played this role in the past. He has, and he's performed better inside of the guard than that three technique or out position where you're in more one-on-one situations. Mustafer is a natural nose tackle. And that to me is really what is, is the profile for how he's going to improve in 2021 is that he has made the decision to be that body type and in that position. He and defensive coordinator Brent Pry have made the decision that he's going to be the two-eye position. So he's going to line up based on the offensive linemen and not the field side or the boundary side as they have in the past. So he will consistently be lining up at the primary run-stopping position. He's gotten up to 327 pounds. He is now a run stuffer. That decision has been made where he's not trying to split the difference anymore. Now he can try to win with power and strength and bull rush instead of trying to be a tackle that can do both. Early on in his career I thought there might have been an opportunity for that but his wrestling background, his size and that small lack of high-end explosiveness, still a good football player, still a really good athlete, but maybe lacking that elite do-it-all ability, now settling into a bigger, stronger, more physical role, he will have a more clearly defined role, and I think even if he doesn't stuff the stat sheet with tackles for loss and sacks and big plays, he's in position to play better in In 2021 and help the defense improve, which is a critical part of his role as a leader on the team and one of the most veteran players on the defensive line or anywhere on the team. That is going to be a a key self-improvement and team improvement in 2021 for the defense. So P.J. Mustapher, a key player coming in at number three on an area that if you're hoping that Penn State's defense is going to improve, he's a guy that should improve and I, I believe will in 2021 number two on our list wide receiver parker washington and you may be thinking parker washington had a great freshman season i agree but it's not like he was a true freshman that lit the world on fire he was good but there were times where he there were some issues when it comes to route running decision making at the position still being young in the offense and copy and paste everything we said about jair brown to Parker Washington, and truly even Bretton Strange's, guys that didn't have a chance to practice their roles and then had to then perform them in the middle of the season. This year, Parker Washington, a year into a new system, and even if we just assume that he won't be making as many mistakes when it comes to running this new offense, because of the time that he has been with the rest of the offense working on it, uh, there are a couple areas that he can improve when it comes to his consistency from year one to year two. Here is head coach James Franklin explaining Parker Washington and what makes him bigger than his 5'9 frame.
1: You know, when you talk about his ball skills, I think he's got elite ball skills. I've always been a believer as a receivers coach, as an offensive coach, elite ball skills make you bigger and make you faster than what you are. And what I mean by that is uh, when your catch radius is similar to someone that's three inches taller than you because your ability to go get the ball and be able to consistently catch the ball uh, on your fingertips. Um, You're faster because some guys are going to have to slow down, stop, secure the ball uh, and then regain their speed where a guy that's got just tremendous confidence in his ball skills can just reach back and contort their body, pluck the ball and not lose much speed
0: so um other unique qualities like that now it is true parker washington if you look at his his profile and his skills even last season his ability to go up and elevate and get the ball was apparent But the production in those situations was not consistent, especially early in the season. If you take a look at his contested catch rate, according to PFF, those plays where the ball is contested with a defender, he caught 5 of 15. So coming down with a lower percentage of contested catches than you'd like, I think that's an area where maturity and consistency and just confidence can help him improve, and he has those skills. Another area that I don't have, I'm speculating on this, but something I'd love to see personally is if the offense used him in a jet sweep sort of role, 5'9", 210 pounds, a really thick, strong football player. Uh, James Franklin has talked about him as comparing him to a running back with his lower body build. Those that ability to break tackles and make plays with the ball in his hands that was apparent last year as well so giving him as many of those opportunities as possible I think would be a smart thing for the defense to do now he doesn't have to take carries away from Noah Kane or Keevon Lee or even from Sean Clifford but sprinkling in a la K.J. Hamler, a couple of jet sweeps or a couple of trick plays where he's lined up in the backfield and is the running option, I think can give Penn State enough to keep teams off balance and to give him the opportunity to make big plays with the ball in his hands immediately. If that's not in the cards, simply using him down the field more, I think, would be a smart decision for Penn State. Whether it's Bretton Strange or whether it's Parker Washington – Both of those players were underneath route runners for Penn State in 2020 and have the ability to, in the right situation, make plays down the field. Parker Washington only had a handful of deep targets, and with Mike Yuricich's more aggressive offense, last year only two other quarterbacks threw the ball down the field more than Sam Ellinger at Texas, according to PFF. So those big plays down the field, somebody's got to go get them. Either Bretton Strange or Parker Washington are going to be one of the guys getting those targets because they can't all go to Jahan Dotson. If it were me, I'd be looking at one of those two guys to make plays down the field and to find a way to get them involved with a ball in their hands and let them break tackles and make big plays. Finally, the number one player that is poised for improvement in 2021, middle linebacker Ellis Brooks. Ellis Brooks was an early player in his time at Penn State, playing in 2018, and played well. Uh, The number of missed tackles was low. He was a quick, smart football player who clearly was trusting what he was seeing and getting in position to make some good plays. Now, this is the problem with projection, is you expect that to get better and everything to get better and there to be no hiccups. In 2019, as a key reserve player, he was relatively the same football player, but when he finally got his chance to start in 2020, where you would expect him to take that step forward as the full-time starter, there was some inconsistency. Part of the problem was who was around him and what he was trying to do lining up the defense that had not met all season. Again, this is another pandemic sort of situation, but Ellis Brooks being able to practice with his teammates and not having players making mental mistakes around him, he will not have the need, feel the need to make up for a lot of mistakes, which is where a lot of his missed tackles and his misalignments came from in 2020. He was trying to do too much as a smart football player who is in control of the front seven I have the sense that he was trying to overcompensate and do too much. There was a lot of that last year. So, in a better situation, guys in the right positions around him, PJ Mustfer, who we just talked about, in the right position in front of him, Ellis Brooks has a great opportunity to take a step forward as a consistent run defender and tough player player to take advantage of again eliminating the mistakes more so than getting a lot of positive plays out of him I think that's the key for what Ellis Brooks can be in 2021 that and just missing less tackles That is one consistent thing from 2019 and 2020. He's missed more than 10% of his tackles in the last two seasons. That is one area he has to improve upon. That has to be an area where he does take a considerable step forward in his improvement to be the player that I'm lining out the ideal situation for what Ellis Brooks is going to profile to be. If he can do that, and the rest of the players on this list take some form of the step forward we talked about. Penn State is in great shape to make that AP and the USA Today poll rankings, all of those, rise in 2021 from where they start the season. That's it for today on the BWI Daily Edition. Make sure you subscribe and you stay tuned. We'll have up-to-date information from Penn State's uh, open practice, which we typically get on Wednesdays, so we'll give you more information of what we see and what we hear at Penn State practice coming up later in the week. Subscribe, bwi.rivals.com to get all that insider information. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts and to YouTube so you don't miss the BWI daily as we break down Penn State camp here for rivals. I'm your host Thomas Frank Carr. We'll be back again soon.